my name is Heidi Laxina. When I was a little girl, um, I dreamt about having horses and owning my own ranch one day and um, just, just being a rancher and uh, taking care of horses and allowing people to come up and just find peace and stuff. So that never really kind of panned out for me because um, at 16 I had my son Jay and um, I dropped out of school my parents bought a house up here on the Big Island. I'm originally from Oahu. I decided to drop out and raise my son because I didn't know anybody here. He was only three months old when we moved here. Um, it wasn't an easy season for me being at home. Didn't have any friends. Um, we lived out in Paradise Park and everything was new. Um, I gave up, on, from Oahu, give, gave up everything. You know, you give up your, your family life, your friends, your school, but even your dreams. Um, of what you wanted to be or become. As I got older and I got married and had uh, my second one, Jordan, continued to be a, a stay-at-home mom for, for Jordan to raise my own kids at, in the home versus someone else. Um, but later in life, in serving in ministry and um, meeting such great people such as Pastor Sioni and Margaret, um, God fulfilled one of those dreams, which is to own my own horse. They gave me blue. You never thought that God would trump your dreams. Even though you put it all on the side for um, a life choice that you made, um, being a young mom, that was my choice. And um, you never would think that God could accomplish those dreams later on in your life. Uh, when he gave me my horse blue and never had the property to take care of him and They they blessed me with 60 something acres not my own but theirs to uh, keep blue and raise blue and um, Come and see him whenever I wanted to so that's where we are today We're at blues house in the dream of owning my own ranch after Jay, Jordan was in school and Jay was in school God allowed me to help my brother at his tent shop and so working there, I was able to put money away into a ranch account. Um, and it was slowly growing and you know, with your kids being in school and uh, it's not much to put away, but I would, I would save for a ranch. And eventually um, knowing that one day I would have some type of money, a down payment for property in Waikauka, cause that's where I want to live, um, to, to bring Blue home. But one day God had asked me to, the church is taking up a special offering and we prayed about what, what we were supposed to give over and beyond our regular tithes and offering and God told me I needed to give the ranch account. That was a little hard. But uh, if I look back at it now in hindsight, you can't put a price on a soul that may be saved. Even though it wasn't a lot of money, it was a lot of money to me. It was money that I saved for years. But um, God has something better. Um, and it's a dream that I still, I still want one day. It's a dream that I still want to own a ranch in Waikauka, but it's not, it's not my every dream. It's not the every dream that I have to have. As I look back now in hindsight, um, at my house that I have, it's 
the style of my house is called the ranch house, which is kind of cool. It's, it's not on more than three acres, so I can't bring blue home there. Um, but I'm blessed. I'm blessed, and God's dreams for me um, far outweigh the dreams I have for myself. And the cost that of doing it on my own and trying to fulfill my dreams probably would have bankrupt me emotionally, spiritually, physically. But when I trusted God in giving Him my everything, including the ranch account, um, I never knew how far He could take that. And as I sit here in, in awe of the 66 plus acres that allows Blue to live and Nala to live, God gives me the ranch. He just gives it to me in different ways. And the dream is not over. It's just beginning. And the cost that I, I gave up as a, you know, being a young mom um, isn't, isn't, isn't anything compared to what I have now in my son. And the fact that he's living his dreams, he owns his own business, and I'm so proud of him. And through him, I have three great-grandsons. Not that they're great-grandsons, but I have three great-grandsons that uh, fill my heart. And something that I could never have dreamed for myself, but God dreamt, dreamt for me. And that I love very much. Counting the costs, or the cost for a dream, is uh, sometimes hard in the now but when you look when you fast forward and you fast forward my life to where it is today doesn't compare the cost doesn't compare to what God's given me so don't give up on your dreams even though you feel like it costs you something now God has something better for you in the future wow can we welcome up Heidi Loxina my lovely wife Well done. So proud of you. Thank you. Oh, look, we have a gift from Kaden. Thank you, Kaden. Thank you. You go plant that. You wore your cowgirl boots. That's cool. So well, let's let's stand. We can stand over here. There, that way. Let me move this. So there you go. I don't know if everybody has, if everyone has met my wife Heidi. Uh, she comes second service. Because she sleeps, and I let her sleep. So. <laughs> but one of the things that you shared in there was that, you know, there's a cost to it, and you, you felt like at that time it was a sacrifice, but then you look back at that, and one of the things that uh, we gave to was the covered courtyard. What do you see now in the cost of that part of a dream in the financial area? Um, I, for me, I... Oh, I'm, I'm on. Okay. I guess for me is if I don't look at how much I gave, I'm looking at how much God gave me. Mm-hmm. And to be a part of this church and to be a part of the giving to this church so that someone else can come to know Jesus, like that's, that doesn't compare to what he asked me to give. I mean, it, to me, it felt like a dream. But in reality, um, somebody coming to know Jesus is somebody else's dream. Mm. So in part, I get to play a part of that dream. You, you mentioned uh, Pastor Sione and Margaret. And Pastor Sione and Margaret are the pastors at New Hope Waimea. 
And when they mentioned uh, to Heidi about this horse, Blue, uh, it just, it, it again flooded her with the memories of when God says he'll give back over and beyond. And it really, it's not about things. And I don't think that's what you're saying. What you're saying is um, the dream itself, there's a cost to it uh, in the process of it. And now that you look forward into whatever God is going to do, what would you say is the greatest satisfaction of trusting God with your dream? I, I guess it's, it's his timing and it's, and it's when he says you're ready for this part of the dream. I wasn't ready to have a horse when I was a child. I, wasn't, I didn't think I was ready to have a horse when I got my own house. But he said I was ready when Pastor Sioni them got blue. And through them, they gave me blue on 66 plus acres. And then they also gave me another one just recently. And that's the one that you see in the pictures. That's Waimanalo. That's my colt. So blue is untrainable, just like me. He's kind of untamed. Um, but Waimanalo, he's kind of, I can tame him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can team my mom and all. That's true. Yeah, yeah, so. That's true. <laughs> and every husband knows what, I, what she's talking about. And, Don't and, you be laughing at me. That's a lot of women's dreams. I'm just saying. We can go home now. <laughs> uh, I forgot more. You also <laughs> talked about you being a, a, a young mom. Because there are many moms here that you had your child when you were young. And you, you feel like your dreams are done, or the season of your life, uh, your, your parenting, or whatever it would be. Uh, we had Jay when I was 15 and you were 16, and at that time, it was probably the worst season of our life. Uh, thank I, God. I wouldn't say it was the worst. Well, for me, it was pretty I would chaotic. say it was hard. It was hard. Yes. It was one of the most difficult times. See, I train her to train me. <laughs> so, but that season, if not for mom and dad, it would have been the worst. Yes. So thank you to our, well, your mom, yeah. but uh, also to dad. Now, when you look at that season, though, because some people are in a season like that, maybe not with a young child, but something else, what sustains you? Um, I came to know Jesus uh, at the age of 17. So it was really, like, like I was saying, we moved here when I was 17 years old, and I just had Jay, so he was three months old. And so I didn't have anybody. I had my mom and I had my... Um, You're somebody. She's just saying. Well, yeah, I had my mom and I had my sister. My older brother went into the military. My younger brother stayed back for a year because my grandfather wanted to watch him play football. But what sustained me was my... Re I came to know Jesus, and he was my everything. Mm -hmm. Like, we lived out in Paradise Park. We're so boonies. The birds don't even go out there as how far it was. <laughs> like, I was like, this That's is in 1980, 80, what, 88? 89, 88. I was yeah. like, there's like nothing here. So really it was Jesus. My relationship, I just kind of plunged into his word, and I tried to learn as much as I could to be a better mom for, for my Justin. So, yeah. yeah. It was my relationship with Jesus that sustained me. And he's the one that kind of... I mean, if he could forgive me, then I could allow him to also lead me. Mm. So. so talk about your children, our children today. Justin, 26, just turned 26. Jordan, 
who's going to turn 20, and then our three grandchildren. Jane. They're not our great-grandchildren, but they're, like, great to us. So, yes. yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay, because then I would have been six if we had yeah, children. Yeah, okay, sorry. Right, so, <laughs> so we have three grandchildren. But talk about your two boys, our two boys. I keep thinking this is like an interview, which kind of is. But, okay, our two boys and then our three grandchildren. What is that like now with, with oh. all the cost of whatever? It's nice now. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're older. And, and so Jay, Jay's married and has three boys. And our youngest one, Jordan's in college. So being a young grandmother, I can actually keep up with my grandsons. Because my oldest one is crazy. You ever hung out with a four-year-old? They're kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. people are like, oh, you should bring them when you guys come to these plays. I'm like, are you nuts? Yeah. No way. They'd be in the play. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. So. Uh, in, in the video, there was Landon on the coffee table. Awesome, yeah. Playing on furniture. We, that wasn't our house, though. That was, yeah, that was a vacation. It was a condo. Place that we stayed at. But <laughs> it's like grandparents, you, you, they can get away with stuff with us as grandparents and it's the greatest thing in the world because then they go home but then they get scoldings at home so we gotta watch that yeah but just wanted to say thank you for sharing that and uh, can we say thank you to Heidi for sharing just a small portion of her life thank you so much Heidi okay thank you thank you you can take your gift and I got this thank you Jason appreciate it (laughs) All the camera people are like, what do we do? It's empty. The stage is empty. It's okay. It's my wife. So, well, good morning. You can open up your bulletin as we continue. Thank you again, Heidi, for sharing that. And we're going to be talking about the cost of a dream. You know, there is, a, there is always a high value to a dream when it comes to a cost. Because every person's dream is personal. That's why there's a cost to your dream. Because it's personal. It's not something that someone throws on you. And if someone does, maybe your parents or someone else's expectation, then the costs aren't really that high because you just kind of go with the flow. But when it's your dream, there are costs to your dream. Here in Hawaii, we have value when it comes to our our property. Uh, Here in Hawaii, we have value when it comes to our, our scenery. There's high value here in Hawaii. And many people flock here because they want to retire here. They love everything about Hawaii. But did you also know that while you're growing up here in Hawaii, there is a high value in slippers? Oh, yeah. Yes, there is. Because when you go to someone's house and they take your slippers, it blows your mind. Because you're wondering, how can someone take my slippers? And I know everyone has dealt with this. You buy those black slippers, they're like, you know, a couple bucks. And everybody has them. So when you go to someone's house, there's like 30 pairs. You don't know which one is yours. But when you put them on, you know which one is yours. And if someone takes your slippers, usually they upgrade. (laughs) They don't look for the worst slipper. They upgrade. And so if you're the last person to leave, you are with the worst slipper there. And you're outside like, what? You actually took my slippers. Some people would trade up to like a, a Nike's uh, kind of sandal for like their 88 Kamabokus. 
They would just trade up. And it just shows us that there is, a, there is an innate ability inside of us to always want better. We always want to trade up. We want to we get the higher value. We want to get the best for our money. When it comes to our dreams, it's kind of how we start thinking. We start to think about, well, how can I achieve that dream? But maybe, not even realizing it, many of us, we pay a high price of something we shouldn't be using to pay with. And that's what we want to talk about today. For some of us, we paid the high price of our family, a high price of a relationship, a high price of lying, a high price of unforgiveness, a high price of anger. We've used those things as a way to achieve our dream. But I don't know about you. I think we want to be people who achieve these dreams that God has given to us the way God designed us to achieve these dreams. And that's what we want to talk about today. I have a couple key components that go along with the cost of a dream. And if you are taking notes, I want you to write this down, this first point, to sit down and count the cost. When it comes to your dream, because everything has a value, sit down and count the cost. Sometimes you're going to say no to the dream and yes to your family. Sometimes you'll say yes to your dream, uh, uh, yes to your family, and then no to your dream. Anytime you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so before you just uh, go full blast into a dream or some type of uh, commitment towards a career or whatever it would be, sit down and count the cost. And the reason why you sit down is because you cannot count the cost on the goal. You can't calculate quick enough if you're flying through life. In fact, the Bible tells us in Luke 14, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You know what Jesus is saying? There is a cost to everything of value. There is a cost to everything of value. We value people. We value our family members. Some of us value our careers. We value a bank account. We have high value in things. But then it really comes down to what is of greater value. Now, we're stuck in a, almost like a catch-22 or, or a, a little circular psych, uh, type of uh, thinking because in order for me to provide for my family to unleash their dreams, I need to work to provide for my family. So we're stuck in this cyclonic thinking that if I don't work, I can't provide. We're not going to have a house. So that's where it's important. That's why it's important to sit down and count the cost. 
for Heidi and I, we had to sit down and we had to count the cost. And we had to think through what is of more importance. Is it having the bigger home, the more cars or the better things? Or is it raising our children to set them off to succeed? What is the greater value? you got to sit down and do that. I came home one day and Heidi had papers scattered, I mean, on the counters, on the table. And I said, Heidi, what is this? She goes, I'm paying our bills. I said, this is our bill? She goes, yeah, this, this is all our bills. I said, is there a better system? I mean, why? You scatter it all over the place? She goes, well, you can do it. I said, no, no, it's a great system. It looks really great. I love this system. And she said, the reason why I have it like this is so that I can sit down and prioritize which ones we need to pay. And before we pay any bills, we always give to God. That's our priority. It's part of the cost of our dream in life. It's saying to God, you are number one, that we're going to put you first place in every area. And if you're someone who tithes, you will agree with me on this one. God will always take care of you financially. He will always take care of you financially. Even when it doesn't look like it's going to happen, God comes through. I can't explain it. I, don't, I try to explain it. But even that, when you live through it, you're just in awe of how God does that. But if I don't first sit down and think things through, then I'm, I'm going to make rash decisions. I'm going to make decisions on the fly. I'm going to compromise my relationship with God. I'm not going to give to God. As the Bible says, I actually rob God of what he says for us to give to him, that he owns everything. And if I don't sit down and count the cost, then I'm going to make decisions emotionally and based on logic, human logic. But human logic and human thinking really accomplishes nothing. It takes the hand of God to actually get us to a place where we understand what it means to sit down and count the cost. And when we sit down and count the cost, then our dreams and our families, our loved ones are able to come alongside of us because we've sat down, calculated, counted the cost, and looked at all the concerns before we made the major decisions. And you sit down and count the cost because the stakes are high. It's just that high. The second thing is that the cost is always higher than I'm willing to pay. Did you know that? That for all of us, the cost will be higher than what we're willing to pay. None of us want to pay full price for anything. None of us. I mean, you go to a store or you go shopping, no one wants to pay full price. I mean, for sometimes as, as a husband, I don't know what sale is what. I mean, I get duped by the sign that says sale. That's what I get duped by. Heidi comes in with her Macy's card, Macy's 10% off, 15% off. I'd spend $30 for something when she gets something back and they owe her money. I'm like, how does that work? One day I came home and, and she had a bag and she says, I bought me a pair of pants today. I needed pants. I said, great. She goes, guess how much I paid for it? I'm like, $30. She goes, nope. I'm like, more or less? Less. 20? Nope. 15? Nope. 10? And like when I get close to the price, she says the price. She goes, six bucks. I got jeans for six dollars. Who's the mama? I'm like, you're the mama. <laughs> six bucks. And I thought, for people who, and for you who love shopping, but you love the deals, 
That's what it means when you can do this. That you're willing to think things through and then be willing to say, I am willing to pay the price for the dreams that God has for me. The cost, when we sit down and think it through, compared to the dream that God has for us, is small. The cost is little because the payoff is that much greater. There was a tax collector named Matthew that Jesus came to. And Matthew was at the tax booth collecting taxes. And Jesus came up to him. Now, Matthew was despised by his people because he was working with the Romans and and he's believed to be a Jew. And so he's sitting there and, and so he's considered to be a traitor. Like, wow, you, you're, you're taxing your own people. So now Matthew is sitting there. And he's watching Jesus in his ministry. And Jesus is calling his disciples. He's giving them two words. And remember those words? Follow me. That's what he's saying. And I'm wondering if Matthew is sitting there and thinking, boy, I would love to be a part of that. But this is my dream. And, and Matthew, as a tax collector, not only were they subject to Rome, but Rome also gave them authority to add on whatever they wanted to when it came to receiving funds and finances from people. So Matthew could come to a person's home and say, okay, Rome uh, demands 34% of what you just made today, and I demand another 10%, 15%. If he needed more money, 50%, 100%. And if the people didn't, didn't uh, agree, he could have them arrested. So that's how, when, when they looked at Matthew, he was a despised person. Well, Jesus comes by one day and he looks at Matthew and, and like only Jesus can. Because when Jesus looks at us, he sees our heart. He sees everything about us, especially our future. And so he comes to Matthew and he says, Matthew, come follow me. Matthew drops everything, follows Jesus, learns about grace and forgiveness Matthew actually had a party in his home, and in that home, because Matthew, remember now, he was a a tax collector, so the Bible says he was with notorious sinners, notorious sinners. So these are people that others knew they were sinners. They're in in, in his home, and Jesus is sitting with them, and Matthew is there with him, and people start, start saying things about Jesus, like, why is he with them? Does he know what kind of people he's with? They're scum. They're, they're tax collectors. They, they, uh, they assert money from people. They're, they're taking advantage of people. And Jesus is sitting with them, and Jesus says, look, it's not the healthy that I came for. I came for the sick. And Matthew is sitting there. And Matthew begins to understand the cost that he gave to follow Christ. He gave up money. He gave up power. He gave up great wealth. It's interesting that Matthew was able to do that because Jesus said, follow me. See, there's something about Jesus Christ when he says to follow him that far outweighs any other thing that we value. There's something about that. And when you follow Jesus Christ, now we're understanding that, wait a minute, the, yeah, the cost is always higher than I'm willing to pay. But if I'm walking with Jesus Christ, 
then now I understand that, that I can be willing because Jesus gives me the strength to be willing. Otherwise, we operate on our own strength and we try our very best to, to figure things out on our own. And usually the number one way we try to get ahead in life is through finances. And Matthew himself understood this principle because he had the wealth. But he records in his book, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 6.24, he says, No one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he says this, you cannot serve both God and money. It's interesting, money has become the new God in our day and age. It's like if you have money, you feel secure. When you don't have money, you feel insecure. That right there is supposed to be reserved for God. That when you're with God, you're secure. When you don't have God, I don't care how much money you have, you're actually insecure. We've seen that happen in, in the past 10 years. When you have God and He's your God, then the cost that you're willing to pay to follow Him, to follow this dream, not that high. It doesn't feel like it's a cost anymore because you understand that Jesus did something for you. See, for some of us, in the beginning, all, all our dreams are obstacle-free. We have this dream of, oh, I'm going to start a family, I'm going to have a new career, I'm going to do this and do that. It's obstacle-free. Uh, we're full of energy, we're full of, it's going to be fun, it's going to be exciting. And so we start off that way. But there comes a season in life where we have to transition from that early stage of just believing in the dream to now transitioning to being a buyer of the dream. Now we have to pay a price to buy that dream. But what are we willing to pay? What price are we going to pay for that dream? What, what is the cost to this dream? You know, I've never heard anyone say, achieving my dream was so easy. It was so much easier than I thought. But I have heard people say, boy, this came at a high price. Now, for some people, the price that they paid in this high price was on the negative. That they can't enjoy their dream because the price was their relationship with their family, relationship with their children. Oh, they've achieved great things, but there's no one to enjoy it with. And so they look back on their life and they say, yeah, I've achieved my dreams, but look at the price. I have seen other people that says, you know what, I'm not going to sacrifice my family for my dream, I'm going to sacrifice my dream for my family and never regret it. Because you made that decision. There was a cost, but you went on the other side because the Lord's payoff is always higher than what we're willing to pay. His payoff is much greater. The Bible tells us in Mark 8, 36, and what do you benefit? If you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. I don't want to come to the end of my life soulless with all my dreams fulfilled. I'd rather have my soul intact because God is the one 
that will fulfill all our dreams. And even if your dreams aren't accomplished here, when we get to heaven, it won't matter then. But what will matter when we get to heaven is what we did with the soul God gave to us. What profit do we gain if we have the whole world, but we lose our own soul? Brings us to our third and final point, because there are costs that we should not be willing to pay. And we can say it this way, never compromise my values for the dream. Never compromise my value for the dream, because I've seen people compromise their values and sacrifice their family, ruin their health in pursuit of their dream. Some costs are, are just simply too high. Therefore, never compromise your value for the dream. See, you cannot let your dreams dictate your values. Your values should govern your dreams. Never let your dreams dictate your values. Your values should govern your dreams. In other words, many people have let their dreams dictate their life, their lifestyle, their, their countenance, their ego. Everything about them is about the dream. But, but the way God does it, he says, no, no, no. I'm going to give you some values. Don't compromise your values for the dream. Let that guide you. Let that govern you. Because it's my values that I'm going to bring into your life. And those are the best values. And when he gives us his values, then, then we're able to accomplish greater things than what we actually think would fulfill our heart's desire. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry idolatry some of us have idols in our life without even knowing it it's it's almost like this is a heart check it's like do i do i have any of these in my heart lord am i am i following these things rather than you because if this is in my life and it's dictating the direction of my life then this is the price i gotta pay i i gotta i gotta give these things up i gotta give those things up and when I do, now I'm not compromising my values. The, my values are governing the direction of my life and the dreams that God has for us. But think about it. What cost is too high? Because you might be wondering, how do I know what cost is too high? I would recommend this. First of all, make a list. Just make a list of values that you would protect at all costs. Values that you'd protect at all costs. And don't make a long list, like 30. Otherwise, it's going to be too high and uh, too much and it's going to overwhelm you. Just keep it to a simple four or five. For Heidi and I, the, the first thing we said we never would compromise is our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not going to compromise that. We're not going to compromise our children. We're not going to sacrifice them for the career. We're not going to do that. We're going to help them achieve their dreams. Yeah, we had dreams for them. They, they, we wanted them to be this or that. But as they continued to grow up, we started to see a shift in them. And then when we supported them, there was that transition and that release. You sit down, you count the cost, put that list together and say, what, what am I not willing or what am I willing to protect at all costs? And just make it a short list. 
Look at it this way. Dreams don't work unless you do. It just won't work. We got to put in the work also. You may, be, you may feel pressured by people, uh, status, ego. You may feel pressured by economy. You may be, be pressured or feel pressured by other people or trying to keep up with other people. And you want what they have. You may feel that pressure. But go back to that list and say, what am I not willing to compromise? What, what am I, what I going to protect at all costs in my life? Because giving up your desires sometimes is the price you pay for pursuing your dreams. And it's a price that you must pay in order to achieve your dreams. We all have desires. Some of us live opposite of knowing God's will. We just try to figure out God's will. I love how Romans 12, 2 tells us, and it instructs us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think we all want to get there to a place that we say, I am in the will of God. But here's, here's the flip side to it. For some of us, we would read this scripture in this way, that we're conformed to this world and we should stay the same by not changing the way I think. That I may prove what is not good for me and unacceptable and outside the perfect will of God. Some of us live that way. And we don't even know it. We live in a way that's opposite of the way God designed us to live. Now some people say, well, I, I, have, I have both. I have, I have dreams and I have desires. I have the both of them. But really, if you look at it, desires can be self-serving. That it's not about the Lord. It's not about other people. It's, it's a selfish desire. Well, how do I know then if it's of God or not? What, what is the cost then of my dream if it's, if it's a dream or a desire? Or is it a desire or is it a dream? How do I know the difference between the two? Well, the Bible tells us in Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, do, so delight yourself in the Lord. The Bible doesn't tell us delight yourself in your dream. Now, that's the cost of a dream, that you delight yourself in the Lord. Now, in the beginning, I was afraid to do this because my thought was, wait a minute, what if I delight in the Lord and then he doesn't fulfill my dream? But now some 20-some years later, I look back on those decisions. I'm glad he didn't fulfill my dreams. I'm glad I delighted in him. And then because I delighted in him, his dream became the desires of my heart. And his dream was far greater than the dreams that I had. Far greater so when you delight in the Lord, basically what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, sharpen my dreams for me. That it may be the dreams that you have for me because you know what's best for me. You created me. You know how I operate the best. You know how I think. You know how I, how I do things. You know everything about me. Therefore, when we're delighting in him, he gives us the desires of our heart because now our heart is actually his heart. And so everything that I write down, everything that I list, when I look at those priorities or what, I'm, what I need to protect, 
I go back to delighting in the Lord. Lord, is this, does this delight you? This list, Lord, does this delight you? Is it just something temporary? What am I willing to protect? The Lord says, no, here are some things that you're not going to compromise. And because now your delights are Father filtered, He can bring it your way and He helps you achieve those dreams. And it's no longer a high cost to you because now you belong to Him. You know what is interesting? That the more we delight ourselves in the Lord, the more we understand that our cost is small compared to the cost that Jesus gave. The sacrifice that he gave. When I think about the cross and when I think about his sacrifice, it makes me realize that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us so that the dreams we achieve would have meaning, significance, and value. That it's no longer something temporary, but something eternal. And we can say what we give up costs something, and it does to some degree, but when compared to what Jesus has done for us, what we give up is nothing. Paul the Apostle said it like this, and you don't have this in your notes, but I'll have it up here. Paul the Apostle said it like this. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Isn't that interesting that when we come to know Jesus Christ, everything else pales in comparison. As Paul says, it's like rubbish. In other words, when you step out of your home and someone upgraded to your brand new slippers and you come outside and there's an old broken slipper, Jesus comes by, he takes those upon himself and he gives you slippers of gold. He says, I will do far greater and take you places much greater, much more valuable, of better significance, more meaning, and eternal than you could ever do on your own. We don't have enough in us to achieve the dreams he has for us. It costed him everything. And when we're willing to delight in him, it costs us very little compared to what he has done for us. As we pray today, I pray that whatever you feel you've been giving up or whatever cost you've been giving or even trying to prioritize, that we will come to know Jesus first. That we would understand it's, it's him first and when we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added. The cost of a dream can be high. But it won't, it won't cost you much when you're in the care of the one who gives you the dream. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, our heart this morning is, we're just so thankful that we have a God like you. Jesus, you left heaven, came off the throne to live in this world, dwelt among us, paid the highest price 
for our sin. But you rose from the grave to give us new life, new dreams, that as we delight in you, you give us the desires of our heart. Help us not to compromise our values, but that we would sit down and count the cost. And it's only through you that we're able to achieve the dreams that you have put in our heart. I pray for everyone this morning, Lord. And if you're here and you're saying, I don't know Jesus yet. I've never given him my heart. That's, that's the first place you need to start is coming to know Jesus Christ. Life has brought you to this point. And Jesus says, let me take you further than life can ever take you. I have dreams for you. Far greater than the dreams that you have for yourself. But you got to be willing. Be willing. To pay that price. To just say yes to me. That Jesus says to you today, come follow me. And if you're here this morning and you've never given Jesus your heart, you've never said yes to him, I want to pray with you. Could you just lift a hand real briefly? And I'm not going to tell you to stand or anything. I want to pray with you. Good. In the back. Anybody else? You're saying yes to Jesus. God sees your hand. Good. God bless you. Anybody else? Good. God sees your hand. God bless you. God bless you. He sees you. Anyone else? Okay. God bless you right here up front. You can put your hands down. How many of you as a Christian... Boy, there's, there's times where we need to sit down. we got to count the cost. We have to recalibrate. We have to reorganize, restructure, reprioritize. But it, we need help. Well, Jesus is here to help us. And if you're saying, Lord, can you just help me get back on track with my dreams that you have for me? Would you just lift a hand in response to what he's saying? Yeah, all of us, Lord. You can put your hands down. Let's, let's pray this prayer together. But especially for those who are praying this for the very first time in receiving Jesus. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross, for shedding your blood, rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I give you my heart. Help me to delight in you pray this in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Amen.